Welcome to the first edition of the Gridiron Imports podcast. I'm Immo Osterkamp. I'm the director of scouting for Gridiron Imports, Germany born and raised and still based. My name is Matthias Taub. I've been coaching for at least six years now with the Triangle Racerbacks in Denmark with the Danish under-19 national team. I have about four or five years experience as a scout, including at the ELF level. This week, we're going to talk about the upcoming showcase we're having in Nigeria, which will be the first showcase we've ever had in the continent of Africa. We're going to talk a bit about the European players we have in the NFL right now. And then we're going to talk about some do's and don'ts when you're making a highlight tape. We're going to start off right with the freshest news here, which is the Nigeria showcase. Have you ever been to Nigeria, Imo? No, I sadly never have been. I think we, me neither, for for that matter. But I think we both have had some experiences with African players, right? Oh, absolutely. They come at you hard. They they're they're passionate about it. That's for sure. And I, th- I think the common denominator with those guys are they're all just exceptionally fit. So I'm, I think there's a good chance to find some good players down there. Athletes, absolutely athletes. That's what I can tell you. Like, like my whole true experience with players uh, from Nigeria and with Nigerian roots, usually very, very athletic dudes. That, that's what the NFL is uh, figuring out as well. Do you know how many players from Nigeria they added to the IPP this year? Ooh. Um, I think alone in the IPP was definitely more than four players, I think. And um, I once saw the very impressive stat when they allowed players to list the second country on the helmets. And I think there were about like more than 100 players who listed Nigeria as um, the country they want to represent as well, besides the United States on their NFL helmets. Of the eight IPP players this year, Six of them were wow. Nigerian. If you're looking at the um, <laughs> the the list of international players in the NFL, it just goes Nigeria, 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 all the way down. So I think there there's there's some definitely some eyes on that country right now. So I think we're happy to be invited because that's actually what we were. This is not us seeking them out. This is Nigeria asking us to come down there and, and help. Yeah, which is going to be. Huge for gridiron imports moving forward, I think. It might make more opportunities for for Africa or the continent of Africa because it can't just be Nigeria that has all these athletes. It has to be spread out throughout the continent. Yeah. And I think another thing that's worth mentioning regarding Nigerians is that there seems to be a lot of patriotism. So all these Nigerian players, they're part of the Asi Umanyara Uprise Initiative where he prepares him to make that trip to the NFL. And I think, isn't the Nigeria like the best represented country in NBA as well? Could be, could be. I mean, Nigeria is, is a very fascinating country. Also, given the amount of population they have, I think it's like population-wise, could be even the biggest country in Africa. And so that that makes it like kind of natural, obviously, that uh, there's a huge quota of people just also leaving the country huge fluctuation and um also huge diaspora base they have spread around the united states and and the united kingdom especially so that definitely helps and um yeah with the huge amount of people they have that just really brings things forward i think it's like 200 million all right so speaking of the uh the nfl ipp 
obviously there's for us one like shining beacon right there in Junior Aho. Do you know what the status is with him? Um, so he's still in the practice squad. Yeah, um, that's pretty much the status. Um, due to the limitation on playing time, it's hard for him seeing the field. By the way, a small mention I want to throw with Junior. He apparently listed on his so oh no, apparently he listed on his Instagram. By the way, the Nigerian flag as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, just as a fun flag effect. Yeah, and and he's French. If anybody doubts that, uh, obviously apparently has Nigerian roots as well. I didn't know that, but he is French. He's played for the French under nineteen national team, and then made the the move over to. Did he play with? New Mexico Military Institute first? He played first, yeah. So so he first played in Finland, Sayanoki Crocodiles. Then he played for New Mexico Military. And then he moved on to Southern Methodist University. Yeah, we don't like those guys. That's my rival to school. Go Frogs. All right, but there's... Uh, Junior is not the, the only player on, uh, on, on NFL rosters who's from Europe. Obviously, we got... Kilian Sira as well. Yes. Did he get injury waiver? He he currently has an injury waiver, right, with the Houston Texans. Right. Fingers crossed for him that he gets a chance to stay on there. I know that reports out of training camps were really positive for him. He he uh, really impressed there. Yes. We got other players on practice squads as well that we just want to talk about quickly before we move on to some of the, the starters or the contributors. We got Thomas Odukaya who's a tight end out of Holland, out of the Netherlands. And he played for Eastern Michigan as a tight end before moving on to the NFL as a undrafted free agent. There's actually, I think that's worth mentioning that Eastern Michigan, they have a pretty good tradition for having European tight ends by now. Oh, absolutely. In case the listeners don't know, they have Andreas Poske, who's from Denmark. Go Denmark. And they also have Cedric Anton, who's German. So yeah, and, and Thomas is kind of... He was the trendsetter, definitely, for Eastern Michigan and, like, bringing in international Titans, realizing, hey, we had an amazing guy with him on our football team. They really loved him. They really enjoyed his presence at Eastern Michigan in the city of Ypsilanti. And he was kind of the trailblazer for that, like, really left an impression. Like, other international players obviously already left an impression at Eastern Michigan, but he really was like, hey, Titans, Eastern Michigan, that just works. That's just a factory by now. They're, they had Posca, who's there now, like I just said before. And I know that Thomas played a huge role in recruiting him. Uh, him and Steven Nelson, who's now with the, uh, the Raiders in yep. Austria. But he, those two guys, they played a huge role in recruiting Posca. I don't know if they played a huge role in recruiting Cedric, but undoubtedly the, the fact that they have a, a European Titan Room has played a factor for him. I can't imagine anything else. No. And then we have Saikovitz, who's with the Cardinals, also on the, the practice squad over there. And he's also a Titan. Former Vienna Vikings product. Um, went also through his international pathway program straight up from Europe and now happily plays. Yeah, he was one of those few players who actually made the transition from IPP to just regular contributor, right? Or with a, on the practice squad, but but there's no IPP exemption for him, right? Oh, he's still officially li li like listed on the practice squad. So shout out to Sykovitz. That's a major accomplishment. 
he came over as a wide receiver, I think, and then transitioned to uh, to tight end. Yeah, they put some muscles on him. Yep. I remember Poliski once told me that within the first month after he arrived in Ypsilanti that he gained like 40 pounds without losing any speed. And the coaches were blown away by that. And to me, to think that you can gain that much weight in such a short amount of time without having any negative impact on your performance is incredible. Yeah. So I, I don't know who the strength and conditioning coach is over there at Eastern Michigan, but shout out to that guy. That guy works wonders. Absolutely. And then we got another Austrian who is with the Indianapolis Colts, who we'll soon see in, in Frankfurt. You corrected me last time because you thought I butchered this name. Bernhard Reimann, who's... Uh, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, points for me. Now you do a Danish name. Uh, Andreas Plaske? No, no, no. Andreas Plaske? <laughs> Come on now. Well, Reimann, he is the starting left tackle for the Colts, and he's been doing a bang-up job with, uh, with the Colts this year. They have played uh, a pretty tough schedule, actually. They played... Uh, they played the, the Los Angeles Rams two weeks ago, and then they've played uh, they played the, the second overall draft pick in Will Anderson in week two. And I was looking at PFF grades, and Iman has the grade, or he's ranked right below Lane Johnson as all the tackles in the NFL, which is an incredible feat. I know the Eagles just made a, a push to EA Sports to get Lane Johnson in the 99 club. So definitely, Gaiman has been exceeding expectations this season. That sounds to me like he's doing an incredible job. Have you watched them? Yeah. Have you watched any Colts games this year? I uh, so far haven't, to be honest. <laughs> I think we need to make that like put that on a referendum that in the future we need to watch these international kids play in the NFL, so we we can reference more than just PFF stats. Oh, absolutely. One guy who's had a, a shitty PFF grade so far is... Do you want to take a shot at this? Yalde Froholt? Yeah, they think PFF sucks in that regard. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, how'd you fraud? Yeah, that was okay. It's okay. We're getting there. But we talked about this just before the show started, that he has actually played possibly the most difficult schedule for an offensive lineman to have. As a center, he played the first-round draft picks of the Washington Commanders in week one. Then in week two, we had the Cardinals. Week three, they, uh, sorry, he's with the, the Cardinals. He played the Giants, who has all-pro, no-saggle, Dexter Lawrence up front. Week three, they played Micah Parsons, who you know, who you met. Yep. Uh, and have some <laughs> thoughts about. Week four, they played the 49ers. And then in week five, they were having probably the easiest game them as an offensive lineman when they played the Bengals. And that's just uh, basically a who, who's who of defensive line units. Yeah. And 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 the fact that, that he's been moving that offense and he's been getting a lot of credit from his teammates for, for helping the, the team or the offense out moving, moving forward and down the field, I think that says a lot, even though his grade is shit, which goes to what you just said, that mm-hmm. PFF is not always reliable, and I think it's okay to be, as a first-year started, to get beaten by Dexter Lawrence and Micah Parsons. I mean, double-edged That's... sword. You, you, can, you can see both ways. Like, on the one side, you wish for everyone 
uh, who's playing and who you know or who you're rooting for that he wins every rep and on the other side you're absolutely right it's uh, very tough to right. do it as a first year starter yep I think that's that's more than you can expect from anybody to yeah. be able to perform well week in and week out when you're facing that competition alright so we're going to move a bit forward here and then we're going to transition I don't have a good segue for this but we're going to move into some highlights do's and don'ts I have personally been watching at least 150 player profiles on game time this last week. And I have watched so much bad film. It's not necessarily the play, but how they structure their highlight tapes. So you just want to go through like the, the three main rules of how to set up your, your highlight tape. Yeah. My, on my side, I always say the biggest thing with setting up your highlight tape is not um, starting the tape properly. <laughs> and you probably know this, like, feel me on this. Um, a huge thing that goes into that is that when they do the circles around themselves, they sometimes let the tape roll, then mark themselves, and then let the tape continue. Try to say why that's a bad thing, because I totally agree that that's hurtful yeah but trying to elaborate a little bit yeah so it's a very bad thing because it like on the one side for me as a viewer usually ruins the flow of the game tape and then on the other side it also hurts spotting you because i want to spot you before the play starts i want to know who do i have to watch i don't want to have any interruption in it i just want to go with the flow with the drive of the play and if i see you Basically, yeah, spotting yourself, like like starting the tape, then pause it, just for me to spot you. Um, it just takes time off the viewing, and it and it ruins the the whole viewership of it. Right, because you have to rewind back and watch. Yeah. Why did you get? Because I I want to see you get off as well. Yeah. <laughs> don't 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 lose yourself when you to next to the quarterback. I want to see the whole progress of you getting to the quarterback, or well, as a wide receiver, I want to get you have you get off. See you going on the route, and then you're catching the ball. And don't list yourself just when you catch the ball or like when you're halfway in on a post route. Right, because if the defensive back, he fell down because the ground is slippery, that's yeah. not a plus on your side of the column that you got open. It was the cornerback who couldn't stay on his feet. Yeah. All right, so mark yourself at the beginning of the tape or at the beginning of the play. That's number one. What's number two? So number two for me, very important on creating highlight tapes, I like seeing players listing their best highlights first. Like one of the most important things you have to do is ensure that people stay focused to your tape. And there's a golden rule about media that there's like a seven to 30 seconds attention span that somebody pays. So when you upload your plays, the first ones that'll be the most impressive ones you have can't just like list place by place just because you just throw them in randomly and it has no water like it got to be really the most explosive things you have in your portfolio so would you want to have like the first five seconds be a rundown of your 40 your bench press your shuttle your 10 yard splits but you just want to go straight into the action yeah so I usually like going straight into the action, but on the other side, listing those stats can be very interesting as well. 
it's 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 a split thing actually. So there's people who like getting the stats, who like getting to know like, okay, this player had so many yards. This is his name. This and that. I'm a pure tape enthusiast on the other side. So I'm one of those people who are like, oh, okay, he's starting with a massive play. That's what I want to see first. I want to know, okay, can this kid ball or not? Is it worth seeing all these stats? Personally, I agree. I think that putting your 40 time on your huddle account or on your Twitter account in like plain text, that works well. And then have the link to your huddle account or the link to your highlight tape just below that. So I can see the stats before I go to the highlight tape, but I prefer just seeing tape when I'm watching tape. So I, I completely agree there. What's your third thing on that list? So one thing is that you usually shouldn't miss out is like having proper tape. Um, I know that is hard. So due to that, like have your videos in a understandable order, like impressive most impressive place first but then get into kind of like like game by game flow and focus on those things that really work don't ruin your tape with just like posting in some bad blocking highlights just because you pancake someone doesn't mean it always is worth listing that trying to explain that to the listeners why is a pancake not always a highlight a pancake is not always a highlight because sometimes a guy just slips down Sometimes you you just like over manpowered him, but not really put in the technique or anything. So you don't want to overstretch your tape in length. You don't want to put out a seven-minute highlight tape if those seven minutes could be three. So you don't want to you don't want to overstretch tape. Right. And if it's seven-minute entertainment, then I watch it. But like after three minutes, latest um, people lose their attention span and lose their focus. All right, there you have it, folks, from Gridiron Imports, Director of Scouting. Make sure that you go straight into your tape when you're making highlight tapes. Make sure you have your best place first, and then make sure that there's some sort of order and, and go for quality over quantity when making your tape. Those are the three rules of Gridiron Imports, the highlight tapes. So rounding off here, we're at the bottom of the list of things to talk about today do you have anything that you would like to ask the listeners or any wishes from the listeners no not really i think we go in the flow with those kind of things um yeah leave some notes leave some marks let us know what you want to hear uh next yes definitely agree on that last point let us know what you would like to hear moving forward and we're going to take that into account all right thank you very much emo yep thank you matthias